All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is all you need. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju, a little juju, a little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Camfer no say. And I'll never give it play. I'll take your photos to the grave. But that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads, pray. I just pour a little honey from a bay to make them stay. Cause I hate when Bailey's, but I manifest a little with my Bailey's. I'm my ancestors, baby. So I give them everything that they gave me. Little Juju Podcast, the podcast all about decolonizing our spiritual practices, honoring our ancestors, honoring ourselves, black ass spirituality, and getting free. I'm your host, Juju, and I'm very excited for today's episode because we have the one, the only, Mama Ru. And if you don't know, now you know, because Mama Ru is a really amazing, smart, funny, poppin' ass elder um, in our juju tradition in our hoodoo tradition in our root work tradition she goes really hard for this work she goes really hard for blackness and really hard for the ancestors so there's no better person to be on the show today and just to talk about that she's dropping gems y'all get your notepads out because she started dropping workings too <laughs> so you need to get prepared um so i just want to get right into the interview i'm going to talk briefly about how you can donate to the show and then it's going to be me and mama Ru. All you need is a little juju. As you may know, me, Juju, is the host, the editor, the producer, the everything of this here show. And so it is really helpful to be sustained. It is helpful to receive um, donations to help me be able to continue the show, to be able to buy the necessary materials and tools to be able um, to give you all a show bi-weekly, a good show bi-weekly, and a clear-sounding show bi-weekly. And an informative show by weekly and all these things. So I asked for donations to be able to continue this work and do this work, you know, in community with you all. And so the first way to donate uh, that I asked for is through monetary donations. So that can happen a few ways. The first way is a committal way through Patreon. The site is patreon.com slash jujubay. And Patreon is a site where I ask for a monthly commitment of $3 a month. So on the first of every month, Patreon will take out $3. You can... Um, donate more or less than that, but that's just what my ask is, $36 a year. First, every month that $3 comes out and it goes towards me uh, to be able to make this a better show for you. If you don't want to do the uh, super committal way of donating or sustaining this podcast, you can also just hit me up on the cash app, dollar sign, I-T-S-J-U-J-U-B-A-E for little... Uh, podcast donation you can also do the donation through paypal at the jujubay at gmail.com you can donate as well so those are all the monetary ways you can help support and sustain this podcast uh, the non-monetary ways that you can help are just talking about it tagging me in post letting people know like hey there's this great podcast i want you to check it out um so just talking about it getting the good word out there getting the good juju <laughs> gospel out there uh now i want to shout out my patrons because every time i get a new patron i like to um, just thank you all publicly for for helping 
So shout out to my patron, uh, Mara Livermore. Thank you, Mara. Michelle Ward, Quetz, Nefer Phoenix. Hey, Botanica. Uh, Nick CT. Um, we have doo -doo -doo, Christina Stallworth. Thank you for becoming a patron. Um, a doula named Bree. Yes, doula work. Thank you for becoming a patron. Uh, we have Deborah Louder, Reese Mack, Just Choose You, Kirsten. Kate Moore, Nikita Walker, and Kadrian Freeman. Thank you, thank you, thank you all so, so much for becoming patrons. I do not take lightly when folks share the energy of money with me. Um, so as you shared it with me, I want to share it back with you all. And everyone who also hit me up on the Cash App and the PayPal, I'm sending it back to you tenfold. May all the things that you're trying to create, which all the things that you need money for, may you get that money and be and have it in abundance so that you can do the work that you were called to do and that you need to do and want to do. So I say to that, thank y'all. I appreciate you all so, 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 so much. And yeah, I think it's time to get into this interview. I don't, I don't even want to talk too much, y'all. <laughs> so let's get into this Mama Rue interview. She's, as I was saying, so amazing. She is so just intelligent and you know, a lot of reason why I do this show is because I want a platform for us to be able to, because I know a lot of young people listen to this show. I know people of all ages listen, but a lot of young people listen to this show. So I want this to be an intentional space for us to be able to engage with our elders and hear what they have to say, hear about what they think about kind of this spiritual movement that's happening right now. Um, so this is, Mama Rue talked on that and much, much, much more. Like I said, get your notepads out because she's dropping that juju tea. <laughs> for us all to sit on. So without further ado, let's get into this interview with Mama Ru, the Mama Ru. Hello, Mama Ru. How are you today? I am well. I am well. How are you? I'm great and I'm extremely excited. I'm, let me just tell my listeners that so I was listening to your show, but this was like a while back I was listening to your show before I was any kind of juju anything or or even super invested in a spiritual practice. I was just kind of touching on things and listening and I came across your work and then I became like automatically just obsessed <laughs> with everything that you said. And I was like, wow, this person is so amazing and smart and just interesting. And there's something that I feel really excited about every time you spoke. And so then I remember I added you on Facebook, but I didn't know that it was you <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. I just added someone who was saying things that I was like, this person is saying some real shit. Added you on Facebook. And then somehow recently I made the connection that you were Mama Rue on Facebook and I fangirled in my head. And then I fangirled in your messages. <laughs> it was like, um, I did not know that was you. Wow. I've looked up to you. You're amazing. And so it feels full circle now to be able to have a conversation with you like as I'm engaging with this work too and with my own listeners so I just want to say thank you for doing your work thank you for speaking the truth thank you for following the call of your people I'm just so honored to, to speak with you I really really do honor you and just want to say thank you I appreciate that so much and I want to thank you for allowing me to share your space with you here today I want to thank you for all the things that you've been doing this podcast Oh my goodness. I mean, I walk around the house singing the damn things. It's popping like that. But this is so important. I think this work here that you're doing is major. It's major. It's huge. Thank timely. You. Very timely. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's just get right into it. So, who is Mama Rue? 
you know, how long have you been doing this spirit work? How would you define yourself? Okay, well, first and foremost, I am a woman, an older woman. I guess I can claim that now. I'm proud of it. I'll be 51 this year. I was born in the South. I moved to Chicago when I was about 11 mm-hmm. in 1979. And between then and now, I've lived in other places like New York City. Um Spirituality has always been in my life, whether it was at the forefront or whether it was on the side in my peripheral view. I've always credited what I, you know, kind of learned along the years to my mother, who's also a very spiritual person. We're very different with our approaches to spirituality. Um, And I've spoken on that before as well. You know, she comes from, you know, poor Black people from the country. And her generation growing up was the first uh, to go to school, to go to college, you see, and to have that upper mobility into the middle class. So a lot of the ways of the country folk kind of, you know, kind of got shunned by her generation, but mm. she never really stopped looking at non-church spirituality, even though you're of the church. But for me personally, I've always been a, a tomboy as a child. I needed to be in nature. I needed to be of nature, playing in the dirt, playing with animals, climbing trees collecting rocks. I mean, that was my shit, you know, mm-hmm. I felt a connection really, really strongly. And so that kind of shaped my view of things as I grew older. Now, when it comes to seeing uh, and divination, that's something that runs in our family. Uh, I have yet to meet a family member on my mother's side who didn't have an experiencing spirits as a child. Started reading cards when I was very young. I was pretty much a young, very young person, like an early preteen when I saw the cards for the first time, but I became interested in actually reading them as a teenager. And um, my mother helped me with that. You know, she wasn't really big on reading tarot herself. She had other things she was into, like I Ching, for example, um, and runes. She was into reading runes. I could never get into those systems, but I really liked cards. I had a hard time, you know, um, the knowledge was just so complex with so many cards to memorize. And she was just like, well, you're doing it wrong. You know, instead of trying to memorize all these different meanings of these different things, why don't you just let your intuition tell you mm-hmm. and throw the book away? Just, you know, yep. leave the book alone and just go with your gut. And I started reading in that way. As far as doing spiritual work, I've only, always only did things for myself um, or family members. And I really just didn't do a whole, whole, whole lot. You know, I just whenever something would happen, I just knew what to do. You know what I'm saying? Right. Do that and get the results and keep it moving. Um, but over the years, uh, I became drawn to doing, wanting to do more with this. Okay. Um, Cause if I'm helping people, it doesn't make sense to just hoard this. If you see, if you know people out here hurting, you know, people out here, you know, can't make sense out whatever, and they need that help. So that's not something that I really put myself at, at, out there as, you know what I'm saying? Like if you go to my website, you're not going to see, oh, you can get a mojo bag for $70 or you're going to, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I don't do that. It's through the divination that I see that that's what tells me something needs to be done. And if something sure. good and I can do it, then that's something that, you know, me and the client will discuss. Right. Mm-hmm. So do you practice, so what spiritual practice do you use? What, you know, traditional um, religion are you involved in? Okay, well, um, I've started with ancestral veneration. 
I started doing this a long, long, long time ago. Um, it came across my view, I would say, probably about eight, between 88 and 89 when I was living in New York City. Where I happened to live there, there was a big Afro-Latino community. Okay, so it was all around me. You know what I'm saying? It, it was visible. So I learned a little bit about that then um, and started, you know, practicing my own ancestral veneration. And then when I moved back to Chicago, uh, I met with the Babalao and he drew the Odu and said that my ancestors were not happy. And so he, you know, said, do you have a lot of pictures and all these little things on your, on your ancestral space? I said, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, take that stuff down because you have, you're too fixated on the ancestors that you know, but you have ancestors that you don't know, you know, that need to be coming through. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So he told me to just redo my ancestral space. And I did um, very, very simple glass of water, white candle, and some fresh flowers. Mm -hmm. The first day I did that, I had a dream about my maternal grandmother, who I had been fixated on with the previous shrine, okay, (laughs) and never made any connection. But as soon as I took all of her stuff off of it, I had a dream about her that night. And she helped me make a huge, huge decision that would later change my life um, just by coming through in that dream. And that's, I was convinced. I'm like, yes, you know, can't nobody tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I just stuck with that. Yeah. So would you say you tend to lean more towards hoodoo then or just ancestral um, veneration? I like to use that word hoodoo because it's what people understand. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, if you talk to anybody in my family, it, it's hoodoo and voodoo are the same thing. But, you know, they're from Mississippi. So that's kind of expected. They think of it as the same thing. Okay, right. whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing, that's another, you know, topic. But um, I just call it, you know, work, spiritual work. Right. You know, personally, mm-hmm. um, when I do stuff with my family or, or my friends or, or anybody, I don't say, okay, you know, be over at the house at nine. We're going to do some voodoo. No. <laughs> you know? If it's something that involves other people, you know, I just let them know, you know, we're going to do this work at nine o'clock, come at nine, bring this, bring that, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, that's how it is. But as far as uh, this whole online thing, it's very new to me. Doing the work isn't really new to me, but the discussing, discussing it publicly is new to me because yes. I've always kept things quiet. You know what I'm saying? When I came on Facebook, for example, um, I never posted anything about my ancestral shrine. I never, you know, people who know me personally know it, you know, because it's seen, you know what I'm saying? When you come to my house, that's what you see. But I wasn't talking about this. The spiritual work, I always, you know, people kind of like, you know, they're scary. Right. So I made it a point to just keep it to myself. Then I found this whole ass community of people talking about it. I'm like, whoa, check this out. What? Mm-hmm. You know, because here in Chicago, there, there used to be a very vibrant and strong root work and community here. All those folks have passed on mm-hmm. for the most part. They're not here with us anymore. So it's like, OK, who do I talk to here? You know what I'm saying? There's nobody unless the family is here. You know, I have nobody to talk to. So this online thing was very appealing to me at first. Mm-hmm. But then after a while. I started just noticing things that weren't right. Okay. And 
things that just didn't make sense as far as my views or my experiences were concerned. It, it just, just things just weren't right. And then I started looking at, well, who, who's saying this? Let me look at these people. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Who are they and where are they from exactly? And then I noticed, oh, these are white folks. Um, okay. Okay. Right. And then I had to go, well, why is it so many white people in this room? Where are the black folks? This is a black tradition. Where, you know, so then I'm like, this needs some investigation. <laughs> I need to figure out what the hell is going on here. Well, so, I do want to talk about that because, you know, I think there is this energy right now of a, a lot of black folks trying to take back something that white folks have tried to claim as theirs for a long time time now and made a lot of money off of it by selling it to black people and saying that it wasn't from black people. So I guess I'm wondering wh- where did that come from? Like, and how do we know that it is not a white practice? Because people are still saying, well, this is folk magic and there is European, you know, influence. So can you just sort of talk about that? Can we unearth and debunk some of these myths of it just being a, a free for all? <laughs> Um, major white interest in, in root work and outs. Now this is outside of legitimate scholars, cultural Mm -hmm. anthropologists, historians, whether it be, you know, folk historians, music historians, you know what I'm saying? Um, outside of those legitimate people, uh, it seemed like everybody else had really no interest in this with the exception of a few white folks that were getting into the ATRs in general, okay? Right. And back in the 80s and 90s, there weren't that many uh, social media and internet, so you know, socializing wasn't really a thing. But you had a few people um, who did take a legitimate interest in it. Um, when I was coming up in the, in the 80s, the only spirituality that people as a whole seemed to be interested in at the time was Wicca and other mm-hmm. Eurocentric traditions. Okay. And so it, I, my mother, again, you know, she was the one, the catalyst for me getting interested in that stuff. She had her little books and things. And so of course I'm going to pick them up and see what is this about? And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. You know, but then it was like, no, <laughs> Right. No, it's ain't right. Um, Then, you know, I started just trying to find out for myself, you know, where, what is everything? Mules and Men by Zora Neale Hurston helped me figure that part out. Uh, Jambalaya by uh, Chief Louisa Teach helped me, you know, figure out some other things. So that let me know that this wicked thing wasn't right for me. Okay. And yeah, I was one of those ones walking around calling myself a, a witch, but my opinion on that even changed as I evolved, you know, with my ancestors over time. Um, so anyway, it, it was just, you know, the internet gives people access to information that they normally would not have access to. Now, if you look at um, Catherine Ironwood, who is the proprietor of Lucky Mojo uh, store and website and, and all those other affiliated groups, um, she took an interest in it at a time that we had an economic recession going on, okay? People were down and out back in the, in the mid-2000s. And um, they were turning to, you know, spirituality to help them, right? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And that's how they looked at it. This is a desperate situation. I'm going to have to totally act desperately to resolve it, okay? Mm-hmm. So people were turning to witchcraft. And it didn't work. All right. So now they're trying to figure out, well, what else can I do? Okay. 
Well, word gets out that those African-based traditions seem to be pretty powerful. Oh, (laughs) okay. But what should have happened is they should have been reaching out to Black practitioners, Black priests, Black priestesses, okay, to get help with their situation. But they so they just bypassed that part instead of you know just being a client. They decided, well, we'll we'll just be the workers ourselves, okay? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of boomed from there. So Catherine Ironwood is given, you know, the, uh, you know, she's given this, I guess, um, title of being an expert or whatever in this tradition. All right. And this is a white woman for my listeners, just for clarity. Right. Right. And I found out about her uh, back in, oh, goodness, it had to be the early 2000s, okay, when I first found out about her. And I didn't even know she was a white lady then. <laughs> I really did not. Mm-hmm. I, I just made an assumption. This, These are, you know, Black people are the only ones that talk about this. So this person has to be Black, Must right? Be. <laughs> right. But anyway, um, so just kind of, you know boom from there um you start to see more and more white people walking away from wicca i I remember in the 90s i think it was the 90s i remember reading an article about how these english scholars um and historians debunked the whole foundation of wicca Mm. and exposed it for what it really was but there's no issue about people creating religions they just had an issue with them using lies and revisionist history to promote it. Okay. So the issue wasn't, we're going to create a religion. You know what I'm saying? It was that they were lying to people, you know, mm. saying that this is ancient and this is this and this and that, and that wasn't true. So they debunked the whole thing. Um, so at that time you saw this, you know, mass movement of people leaving those traditions and embracing African ones. Right. Okay? And all of them, Hoodoo, voodoo, root work, whatever you want to call it, all the way to, you know, Haitian voodoo, to the Orisha tradition, and just all across the board. They are just jumping in everywhere. Mm-hmm. And eh, that that makes it kind of, it's unsettling, because not every single one of them has um, the same interest in, in our communities, the same communities that birthed these traditions. And they birthed them for what reason? Basically to deal with the oppressive circumstances they were living in, right? So when you look at the root of these traditions and you see people who don't have that history, right? This isn't their story. And they're just clamoring onto and piling onto and taking and revising and claiming. That just doesn't sit well with my ancestors. It doesn't sit well with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, their prominence in this work, uh, it used to really piss me off. It used to really make me angry. I was very vocal about it. You know, once I saw it for what it was, I became very vocal. And it just felt like I'm, I'm just all by myself sitting over here calling these people. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's hearing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really did seem that way for a while. But now, oh, man, I, I'm seeing... Just so many people um, just, you know, picking it up and going, hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm familiar with this. This is something Mm -hmm. that old folks in my family used to talk about. This is something that, you know, oh, my goodness. I I know what that is. I've seen that growing up. I know. You know what I mean? Right. And we're not 
running away from it. We're not putting it down. We're not just calling it, oh, that's just old superstitious mumbo jumbo that the old backwards country bumpkins do. You know what I'm saying? Because you see that a lot as well. Yes. Because um, come on, you know, if, if you're poor and anything you do to alleviate your situation is, and you know it works, you're, you're going to do it. But once you kind of mentally detach yourself from that, you're like, well, I'm not poor anymore, you know. I'm educated. I have a degree. I have a you know nice paying job. I don't need to do that. You know what I mean? So you have that kind of attitude. Like I've outgrown the need for that. Right. Right. You know hmm. what I mean? And it's just yeah. like don't throw it away just because you claim you don't need it. There's still some. There's still a part of that that is you. Exactly. That you belong to, and that is worth celebrating. That's right. worth celebrating. So that's where the disconnect is between the white popularity and the trendy nature of the hoodoo practice and and all the other ATRs versus black people and their ancestral truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I noticed with the whitewash hoodoo community is that there's no ancestor energy in anything. Another thing that I noticed is that they are working with half recipe. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of the stuff that, they're picking up on that may have been put out there by our ancestral folk, you know, through narratives and folklore collections and all like that. They weren't given in their entirety, number one. And number two, they weren't always given factually and truthfully because they knew who the hell they were talking to. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. They don't give up Big Mama's secrets to no Ofe over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and let me be on my way because I gave you something, white man. Right. You know yeah. Zora Neale Hurston said that. White people aren't going to look at it like that. But if you're Black, you know what time it is. Exactly. Exactly. You you know what time it is. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I can't even be mad at them anymore because what they're, you know, sharing amongst themselves is not even legit shit. (laughs) So just let them go on. Exactly. You know, but. I stopped focusing on them. I stopped, you right. know, I, I got kicked out of most of the groups I was in and banned and, you know, blocked by a whole bunch <laughs> of people. You know how it is when you're a truth teller. Nobody yeah. wants to hear that. So mm-hmm. I got banned and blocked and, you know, deleted out of here and all, you know, all that time. <laughs> but my, my focus changed. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's like, forget them and what they're doing. Right. What are, what are we doing? Ex- you know? It's so, yes, that's kind of leading into my next question, I was thinking, you know, as you were talking about, you know, this tradition comes from our people engaging in something that was protecting them, that was keeping them safe, that was allowing them to fight, etc. So I'm, I just, with this current, like, uh, with this current, you know, spiritual renaissance in a way with hoodoo and root work and all these ATRs, you know, how can we use these practices again in this current political climate in the ways that our ancestors were using it? you know, back in the day in their climate? Like, how is it, is it still relevant? I know that it is, but I guess my question is, what is the relevance today? Um, when you think about it historically, um, African people in general, we don't separate our being into little compartments, right? So physical, mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual, we're all one right? Mm-hmm. It, it was a more holistic view. So there is no separation, okay? So when we consider the wholeness of the African view, 
now we can sort of adjust our thinking and our perception and how we deal with things because um, there's a concept called African continuum. It was something that was dropped on me by um, the spiritual brother, my Robert Lucas. And he said, if you really look at black culture, you see the African continuum is alive and well. It's just that we've forgotten who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, what do we do? As, as downtrodden as we have been, as our ancestors have been, how then can you explain black joy? How can black mm. joy exist? And how do we express it, right? right? What do we do? We get together. We eat. We listen to music. You know what I'm saying? And we dance. So it's like those same things also happen when an African is ready to go to war. You follow me? Okay. People get ready to go to war. What do they do? Right? They get the drumming. They get to, you know, offering up the animals and then, you know, eating those animals. Sacrificing mm-hmm. eating those animals. They get the drumming. They get dressed up and they dance and they do, and their dances have meaning. But still, all of those actions are still there. So we haven't really lost anything as people. We just need to get our minds right and align ourselves with who we really are and understand certain things. Because everything has meaning, okay? Every little thing. That's why I say juju is everywhere. I, I call mm-hmm. it work conjure. I call it juju because it just feels good coming out my mouth. My mouth feels good when I say the word. So <laughs> I yes. just feel like as black people, everything we do has juju in it somewhere, okay? Yeah. And, and we don't have to sit back and go, where that? Where? You know? <laughs> it's okay. right there. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that, you know, like how mm. we're using our food. I saw this little, you know, meme about, you know, black folks know how to season our food because we have an ancestor telling us. Yes. Exactly what, you when know what I'm saying? <laughs> that just gave me so much joy. It really, really did. Yes. What else, yes. what else do we do when we're cooking? We tend to have people around us, right? We're sharing, we're laughing, we're talking about things that bring us joy. We're listening to some great music. I mean, how many black folks do you know don't cook or clean unless there's some music? The music on. <laughs> right. So we put that that juju in everything we do. It goes into the food. It goes into the, the spaces that we're in. Yes. Uh, our swag, our funk, everything that makes us cool and hip to everybody else, that's our juju. Yes. Everybody want it. You know, they love it, but they don't like us. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they want what we got. Right. So it's just like, man, um, when you think about revolutionary acts and rebellions and uprisings and things like that, um, Juju was very, very evident. It's mostly seen uh, with the Haitian Revolution. And a lot of people make a mistake in thinking, you know, we didn't get down like that over here, but we did. Okay. Um, to everybody at the sound of my voice, I need you to stop what you're doing and go look up Stone of Rebellion. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will be in the show notes for everyone yeah. to look into. <laughs> yeah, but we did do that, okay? And we still do it subconsciously. We still do that. And it's like, can we utilize this for our current liberation? Absolutely. All right. And see, this is where um, people tend to get upset when I talk about excuse me, things like, you know, ritual animal sacrifice, okay? Um, I'm not saying that everybody needs to do that, okay? But for folks to think that it doesn't involve root work, you know, it's not a part of it, uh, you'll be sadly mistaken, all right? Yes. Uh, especially in the South. You, 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 no, uh, you know, uh, 
animals having livestock is just normal everyday life for for certain people. Mm -hmm. And they don't, you know, get their meat from the supermarket. They go out into the you know the, the pen, right? You know what I'm saying? In the yard and the pasture to get their, you know what I'm saying? So why is it such a stretch to think that there isn't a spiritual association with that act? Mm. When we raise and care for our animals and livestock, that's an act of love and gratitude. Okay. We're thankful and certain ashe or prayers are given. Okay. Because we're human beings and we recognize our relationship nature and everything around it that gives us sustenance. All right. So, we're not out there, you know, being raggedy with this. So, you know, a lot of people just want to, you know, uh, say that, oh, you know, there that doesn't exist in hoodoo. Yes, it does. What yes, doesn't it exist? Does. The animal sacrifice part or right. the... Yeah. Um, yeah, animal, you know, working with animals. And working with animals. Oh, yeah. are uh, Don't exist. And that's not true. I mean, you can read ex-slave narratives and get it from the, the horse's mouth. You know, they'll talk about it there. Um, it's, you know, in the, uh, Zora Neale Hurston's work, she talks about it there. Okay. If you are in the country in the South where people, you know, live with animals, you're going to see this. It's just that it's not broadcast. Why? Because it wasn't safe to do that. All right. So a large part of how this practice evolved deals with the fact that it was shrouded. You know what I'm saying? Because it, you could lose your life for doing this kind of work if you were found out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm talking not just talking, you know, during the slave time, even after that. Okay, it was still something that was kind of kept underground. Okay, so a lot of people just make this assumption that that doesn't exist. And I'm here to tell you, yes, it does. (laughs) It absolutely does. Because it's not something you're familiar with, you know, and that's the mistake a lot of people have. If they're not familiar with the thing, they think it doesn't exist. Like a a lot of white folks think. Oh, uh, elders and hoodoo don't exist because they're not on Facebook. No, no, no. Okay. That's um, completely not true. Do exist, all right. They're just not in the communities that you are used to traveling in. Right. No, they're not going to be on the internet, you know, making Facebook statuses. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just because you don't see them on the internet doesn't mean they don't exist. They mm. are out. But my whole thing is I'm just glad that this practice isn't dying with right. the you know, because that happens a lot, you know, um, in my husband's family, that that has happened in his family. He had a very, very powerful uh, spiritual work in his family. And she went to her grave with all the secrets. Mm. She had her own personal reasons um, for not wanting to, you know, share what she knew, you know, and I respect that. But um, so when you go to an older person and start asking them, you know, what do you know about this? They, yeah, they're going to shut you down. They might. They sure will. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because they sure will. They're, they're, they have their reasons for that. You know, um, I think that, you know, it makes a lot of younger people frustrated. Yes. Yes. I was just about to say that. <laughs> There's a reason for that. You know, and I had to learn that even dealing with my mother growing up, you know, she would withhold certain things from me, certain information. And, then years later, she'll just, you know, so nonchalantly, oh, well, you know, you could do this and do that for that kind of thing. And I'd be like, Ma, I had this issue 10 years ago. You couldn't have told me that 10 years ago. Oh, you weren't ready, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I understand that. But now that I'm older and my daughter is getting into her thing, 
and now I see where my mom is coming from. There are things that I will not share with my child, not yet, because she isn't there yet. You know what I'm saying? She hasn't experienced enough living, really, to understand certain aspects of this work, because there are aspects to this work that are downright dangerous. Yes. And I love Mm -hmm. my child, so I'm not going to, you know, share share with her something I don't think she's, it's not that I'm saying she's irresponsible, but I've seen my child get upset. I understand that. I think a lot of folks yeah. um, are coming, especially young people now are often asking me, like my family won't talk about it. Like I know some things are going on, but they won't tell me anything. So I think there is this line of, yes, you're not old enough. You're not ready. But then there is a real maybe shame or we don't do that anymore that I think there's there is some frustration happening, I think, with young people towards their elders because they're like, you're not sharing these really important this really important information for me and I'm interested in it. And I don't well, really know where to turn. I can't speak for everyone, mm-hmm. but me personally, I'm not the kind of person that's gonna put you in a room, sit you down, give you a notepad and a pen and start teaching. Mm. Um, you know, in that kind of manner, like we're we're in class now. Right. I won't do that. Um, and I won't always tell people I'm teaching you something. I'll just do something. If you happen to be around me, I I just send a little prayer. Like, if this is for you, you're going to pay attention and you'll catch this when I'm giving you right now. You, you understand what I'm saying? I like Absolutely. it. Organic. I because I everybody has their own ancestors. You see what I'm saying? Everybody has their own court. You know what I mean? And I can't be so arrogant into thinking that everybody's spirits are going to be okay with what I'm bringing. So I just do shit on the sly. (laughs) You know, I'm just doing what I do. And if someone is there that needs it because their ancestors said they needed it, they going to get it. Simple as that. They'll learn it in that way. You know, whatever I make that time, it was for them to be a witness to it. It was for them to feel whatever needed to be felt in that moment. So there is no convincing at that point. You know, I don't have to say nothing. They'll be like, whoa, wow. But they're paying attention. Oh, wow. Look at this. You know what I mean? Right. And they can walk away with something real. Another thing about sharing certain things, um, if you work in a regional way, you know, um, like the spirits that I've cultivated relationships with here, you know, um, those are the spirits I work with, you know, and if I take certain things that they give me, tools like they give, you know, I believe in spiritual gifts, and they give me certain tools to work with, how am I going to teach this to you? You know what I mean? It's just not the same thing. Did you have that relationship? You know what I mean? Because that particular piece of wood is where that power is. You follow me? So Yes. If you weren't there with me when when the spirits say, hey, get that thing, you're going to need it for that work. You know what I mean? Then how how do I teach that to somebody else? It's not. Now, there are general things that I think can be taught. Of course. Just basic stuff, foundational stuff, Um, you know, things to do with times, you know, things to do with sunrise, sunset, um, things to do with, you know, the way water works, the way fire works, the way, you know, uh, grave dust works, whatever. You know, there's some general foundational stuff, um, but the way that an individual works, if they're working with the spirits of things, right, 
that's just not something you can, that's not something I, I would say me, I just don't choose to teach it in an abstract way. I'd rather yeah. be with you, you know, be and here that feels, in my space. That feels very black. <laughs> that feels like a very black <laughs> response to, you know, we're not about to sit here and I'm going to tell you with a notepad, you're going to pay attention. You know, you're going to create your own relationship with spirit and you're going to see the things that I do. And if it's something that you feel drawn to, then, you know, maybe that could be a conversation because I feel a lot of times people like my, my generation and people younger are often asking me, like, I don't know what to do. How can I better connect with my ancestors or how can I create this thing? And a lot of times my response is ask your ancestors and people are like, uh, how do what? And I'm just like, I don't know how to tell you got to ask your people. You know what? And, and that right there, there's so in those simple, simple words, ask your ancestors. There's so much power in that statement in and of itself. Right. Because a lot of people aren't even aware that they have them. They're mm. not even aware that that's something they have access to. So when we get to the point, we're like, well, how do I do that? Um, first of all, don't ask yourself, how do I do that? You're already doing it. The fact that you're even thinking that you have access to the people that made you possible is already it. Yep. You see? That's it right there, that part. Yep. That's the you work. <laughs> that's a big part exactly. of the work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, and the best way to learn... Um, about what's what's what the juju is in your family because everybody has it everybody does it's not about the objects it's not about the stuff you know everybody puts an emphasis on tools and materials and that's fine you know what i mean but the power is behind all the tools you could have 511 oils in your possession but that doesn't mean you know how to do the work right you know you can burn mm. a candle but where were your ancestors when you did that you know what I'm saying? Right. What, what, what is the, and so it's like we need to kind of take the focus off the materia and go inward to the spirit. Exactly. Okay? Now I sound like my mama, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what she would, you know, and she's absolutely right. That's what she says all the time. She doesn't like, you know, oh, you don't need to be, you know, working with them sticks and things. Why are you, why are you tying all that stuff together? You don't need to be doing, you know, she, she constantly says it's because she is a reader herself. She doesn't use tools at all. You know, she likes to just read on energy, you know, and, and that's fine. I, I I can do it. I just choose not to. But my whole thing is she she was just more like you put too much emphasis on those things and you really don't need to. But I'm a sensual person. OK, I like my senses to be aroused. I like what I can touch and mm-hmm. smell, and you know, work in my hands. I need to feel it. You know, the plant, the dirt, the root. I like holding things in my hands and putting them together. You know, I love the smell of the oils and, you know, the incense and the fragrance of different plants. And and that's just me. It's a preference. Okay. But you can absolutely be a worker with now two. Okay. Not one. Not a one. All right. I feel like you're giving me a reading because (laughs) first of all, I was just, I was just on Instagram today saying that, um, and I want to talk to you about it, but I felt like sometimes I'm not being hoodoo enough. And I'm saying this because a lot of people that I see online, and this isn't any shade, this is just what I noticed, um, that a lot of people are often focusing on having this candle, having these particular materials, having these herbs, having these things. And I don't really talk about that that much. And people are often coming to me like, what's a spell so I can get some more money? What's a spell to be able to do this and that? And I'm just like... I. First of all, ask your ancestors. And two, you know, do you even think that you deserve money? 
like maybe we should talk about those things first before you're putting so much emphasis on you had a green candle and you put some cinnamon on it and you didn't get the money that you were looking for. So it often makes me feel like I'm not being hoodoo enough because I'm not often giving people spells consistently or how to do workings consistently. So like you saying that just kind of affirmed that, you know, I am doing the work still. And not that I don't use herbs and tools. I do, but it's just not my main, that's not my jam completely. Like I'm just... It's just just like, you know, um, when you know you got to eat every day. So are you going to make an 11 course meal every day? You know what I mean? Because that's what, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, no, sometimes you just want to eat a little salad. Sometimes you just Mm want to eat some damn noodles. But sometimes (laughs) you want to go out and get something at the restaurant. You know what I mean? It's just, you go with what you feel, right? Usually people eat with what they feel, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever you feel like, you know, we have that luxury. You can just say, well, what do you feel like eating today? Right. You know, and it's not going to be the same every day for most people. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it has to be a natural thing. You know, we don't sit here and just plan, okay, for the next two weeks, we're going to eat like this and we're going to eat this much and we're going to have this side and this side. Oh, you know, some people do it their own restrictive diets, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. There has to be an organic flow. Because spirit just moves that way. It can't be contained in the way that's so nice and neat and, you know, and organized. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A little bit of freedom to really just go with the feel of something instead of relying on somebody else's shit. Okay? Because what works for me, like I said before, might not work for everybody else. Yep. Okay? Yep. Like for money, for example. Um there's a work that I do. It's not really even a work, really, but I guess you could call it that. I keep a dish of dried black eyed peas and dried okra mixed with some coins. Mm. And I keep that on my spiritual, um, on my ancestral space, okay? I have a family ancestral altar, and I keep this dish of black eyed peas and dried okra with, with coins. Everybody writing that down now. It's very simple, and you can get dried okra, you know, from, from any place Mm -hmm. um or you can use okra seeds you know you can just buy a pack of okra seeds if you're not into eating okra but some people aren't you can just buy some um some vegetable seeds okra seeds and use those put them in a a dish of black eyed peas dry black eyed peas and some coins what kind of coins it don't matter you find some coins in a jacket bottom of your purse under your couch cushions those are the best places why why do you think that is you don't have to answer that's just getting you to think okay there's a reason why the foul money goes there, okay? Let's not think about things too hard. Let's mm-hmm. just let them mm-hmm. all right? So you put that in there, and as you are honoring your ancestors and you start talking about your prosperity, and one of the, the one part of the prayer that we use is, you know, whatever prosperity you lacked in your life, you get the blessing of prosperity through us. Mm. Okay? And as we're saying this, we're stirring this little dish of black eyed peas. We're stirring it with a coin, okay? We're stirring it. You understand? Wow, yes. It don't matter how many times. You just do it one time, three times, nine times, however many times you feel like you need to do it. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Because you're making a physical connection. Why Why the peas? Why the okra? Okay, that's another thing. So I don't like giving everybody everything. Do your own research. <laughs> do the work do the yes. legwork to find out yes. why why black eyes 
Yes, it has something to do with why we eat them on New Year's, but it's a lot. It's a larger part to that story. Mm-hmm. I just want people to do their own work yes. so that they can be a part of this. So they can be a part of being a cultural bearer. Yes. You understand? Yes. You know, a little bit of that work and give put some respect on your ancestors. You know, and on the food that they ate because there's a reason why we eat those things on New Year's. But we need to go back to what the meanings are. Okay, food historians say that okra and black eyed peas were the seeds that were brought here by our enslaved ancestors. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's part of the story. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. We're honoring, you know what I'm saying? So, Oof. we need some, some abundance. Make sure you put your ancestors in that prayer. All yes. right? Because nine yeah. times out of ten, if you come from enslaved ancestors and, and black folks who had to live during Jim Crow and all like that, you know that life wasn't easy for them, okay? Nine times out of 10, the way that you live is something they couldn't even imagine or dream about, mm. all right? So speak to those ancestors, all right? And, I'm and getting emotional, <laughs> my goodness. Pride in what you are doing, because you might think you ain't got it. You might think, you, you know, you don't have enough. But when you think about who you came from, my goodness, you're wealthy in their eyes, okay? So we can't, just take things for granted like that. We have Ooh. to let the ancestors know I'm a living, breathing testimony to your labor, to your hard work, to your resolve and your strength, your courage, your fearlessness, the audacity that you had in you to survive. I'm the living testimony to that. Yes. Okay. So whatever blessings come my way, they're your blessings. Whatever prosperity and abundance I have in my life, enjoy it. Mm. Whatever liberation and freedom you could not have in your life, enjoy it through me. Okay? So that's how we create that abundance energy. All right? Mm. That currency. It's current. Energy goes in currents with money. We call it currency. Catch that. So when we're spinning, you know, when we're stirring this little bowl of peas and okra seeds or, you know, or pieces of okra, dried okra and coin, just think about all these things. Tie it together. And, and notice how you feel. Notice how you feel afterward. You know, don't even trip on it later. Don't be thinking about it. Don't be posting it on Instagram. Don't be telling your friends, yeah, I did this thing. I'm okay. Don't say shit. Just let it happen. And when it happens, now you can talk. Yes. <laughs> now you can share it with the next person, mm-hmm. you know? Right. After it happens. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We don't like to speak to our work until after it's manifested because, you know, people have haters and people can, you know, juju you sure and block your blessing. I hate to say that, even hate to put it out there, but that's just the reality of it. It's happened to me plenty of times when I was oh, sharing yeah. everything that I did in the moment before it manifested. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I had tears in my eyes when you were talking about that. This is part of the reason why I do this work, like for my ancestors. Like I I, I really do it for them. Um, And so I did want to just, just ground us again also. And just like, why is it important then to include our ancestors in this work? And you, and you kind of did just sort of talk about that, but I just wanted to ask it directly. Um, and because it's so much more than I think just having the material, if you don't have the spirit present, if you don't have your people saying, yes, that is something that we want to experience and we want you to have, or they're just like, "Uh uh-uh, you actually don't even need that. Like, why is it actually important to incorporate and have spirit a part of our our root work and our conjure and our juju? 
Because like I said before, um, this was a, a, ho a holistic kind of view, okay? When we, when we think about things ancestrally, there was no divvying stuff up, you know? Um, even in, in my family, my mother's side, um, her dad was the root doctor of the family, okay? And they put turpentine on spoons of sugar or sugar cube, and they fed this to the children, okay, for worms and other little, you know, parasites and things like that. What they also did was take turpentine in the tincture form and rub it on the feet, okay? There's a story that some of the men in the family went down the road to help this lady at her farm. And when they came back, they had to rub their feet with turpentine, okay? And one could think, oh, it's because if they were barefoot, you know, anything like, you know, little parasitic worms couldn't go up in their foot and make them sick, right? But there is a spiritual reason for that because the old lady was considered to be a witch and they didn't want these boys to be hexified. <laughs> so they put uh -huh. on the feet to get rid of any spiritual mess Right. So it's a protection. So we don't look at things different like that. We don't separate the spirit from the physical, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all a whole. You see? So right, right. about like crossroads, for example. Um, and it, you know, the whole crossroads has been totally botched up, you know, the way that it's known to be today as a meeting place for the devil to get wish, you know, wishes wishes to come true and all this stuff. <laughs> well, back during enslavement, um, the marking of that plus sign with a circle around it, that's called the Cos Congo Cosmogram, yes. right? Mm -hmm. It's also called the Dakenga. It's also been saint, uh, seen as the Yawat. Um, those are marks that were made into the ground and filled with different substances like powdered clay or ashes, particularly ashes from the bones of an ancestor mm. or ashes from a sacrificed animal a teeth, you know, a horn, whatever, you know, ashes um, were filled in to mark this marking. And tools were put into the center. Uh, if a person needed healing from a physical ailment, this mark would be placed upon their bodies, okay? Um, this mark would be placed on, you know, other things, drums, tools, etc. Right? right? So when our ancestors came over here, we ancestors were stripped of all of that stuff. But our people found a way. So instead of marking on objects, persons, or the ground in a visible way, ancestors saw two roads that crossed each other or two paths that crossed each other. You feel me? So they knew to go and walk and ambulate around that, okay, because the mark was already made. It wasn't made by them, so they can't get in trouble for it. Right. Right? But mm. that center of that mark was seen as the space where the physical realm and the spiritual realm meet, okay? And that was the space that was the, the spot of the divine trickster, right? Um, in African tradition, Orisha tradition, he's known as an Eshu, all right? Um, over here, he, he's been called other names like Old Scratch. <laughs> so, um, and uh, you know what I'm saying, but the divine trickster, the messenger between the physical and spiritual world, is said to reside in that space, mm -hmm. right? So if we wanted to commune with the ancestors, we wanted to do some work, we wanted to get some blessings, whatever the case may be, that's where we went to do that, okay? And our messages will be carried on to the other side. So 
The only um, place where you can really see a, a better retention for this is with the Gullah people. Hmm. Okay. So if you look at their, um, the way that they did it, you know, their praise and worship style, you'll see something called the buzzard lope. Okay. The buzzard is interesting because the buzzard is one of those, you know, special spiritual creatures. So you'll see this thing called the buzzard lope. And it's basically a marking on the floor, you know, cross or plus sign. And a gentleman is, you know, ambulating around it counterclockwise, right? Hmm. And he's throwing objects in the center. It reminds Americans of the game hopscotch, right? We, we take something and we throw it and then we hop, right? right? Very similar to that. But there's a spiritual meaning behind that, right? It's not just a silly little dance or a silly, silly little game. It's actually a spiritual practice. It's a it's a ritual in and of itself. Wow. All right. Now, the, the Congo cosmogram is meant to be ambulated or moved around in a counterclockwise fashion. Now, if you are familiar with the black church and getting the ghosts, notice that there will be individuals who get up and start running when they get the spirit. Mm-hmm. They run in a clockwise fashion. I'm sorry, counterclockwise. They always move toward the left and they run. And I've seen this ever wow. since I was a child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just because we forgot our ancestors don't mean they forgot about us. Sure didn't. Just because we started going to church and praising Jesus doesn't mean our ancestors forgot about us. Okay. And when you go to church and you feel that ecstatic euphoria, that energy in church, that's not, that transcends religion. I'm sorry. Okay. A lot of people want to attribute it to religion because that you happen to be in a, place of that religion but what is actually taking place transcends religion all right mm-hmm. that's just a part of who we are as african descended people okay right. so when we run around the congregation in a counterclockwise fashion we are in alignment with our ancestral forces our spiritual forces of our ancestors right. okay the divine forces of nature. It's just that we don't see it that way, but that's exactly. what it is. Exactly. You know? So it's just certain parts of it we haven't lost. So getting back to that part and putting it in the work is basically, you know, we're human beings and it helps us to reconcile things in our own mind, right? To fully have confidence in it. Right. So we can actively make the connection, acknowledge who we are, acknowledge that we are our ancestors' wildest dreams manifest in the flesh, acknowledge that truth, stand in it, right? Then anything we do from that point is going to be coming from the ancestors. Mm. It was the ancestors that made me understand that what I was seeing online back in 2000, uh, whenever it was I started seeing the stuff online, I guess it was 2013, 2014, uh, with the, you know, the fake white hoodoo shit. My ancestors were always telling me, no, 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 (laughs) that ain't right. That's not, no, that's not right. You know what I'm saying? So let them guide you, feel it, you know, trust what you feel. Because people second guess themselves. You understand? Yes. When you go with trusting what you know, your ancestors will start moving you in the right way. I'll give you an example. Um, you're at your, 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 you made up a space for your ancestors, right? Yeah. And it's simple. And you know what some ancestors like, excuse me, um, because you knew them when they were alive or, you know, someone told you something about them. So you see something, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, 
they like this thing, so I'm going to put it on the on the space on the altar. Okay, that's fine. But then you might have a situation where you're in the supermarket and you are compelled to pick up this thing, this food item that you don't eat, you don't like it. Nobody in your family eats it or likes it, but you are compelled to buy that thing. Okay, it could be like what a can of boiled peanuts, right? <laughs> And you're just compelled to buy it. And then when you get home, you're compelled to put some of these boiled peanuts on your ancestral state. Right. You know, and, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, don't nobody I know like to eat these things, but somebody does. Right. Okay. You see what I'm saying? We have to trust that. Yes. You can't second guess that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So when you start putting your ancestors into the work, it's, it's a spiritual thing. Now, can it be a physical thing? Absolutely it can. Yeah. Absolutely. They're not disconnected. <laughs> yeah, I mean, grave dirt. You hear a lot of people talk about graveyard work. I do not recommend going into the graveyard unless you are going there to see your kinfolk. That is, if you are not a person who is a, a spirit worker, works with actual dead folk, necromancer, whatever you want to call it. Okay? If that is not your gift, please do not go messing with the dead. Unless you're going to honor your own kinfolk, okay? Yeah. A lot of people get jacked up that way because they see this little stuff, you know, online. Need some graveyard dirt as an ingredient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but you can't. You can't. It's just that you have to go to your own kinfolk. <laughs> go to your people, right. okay? Ask permission Yes. to take some of that dirt. Leave an offering. Yep. For your people. You should be doing that anyway. Right. You know? You should be doing that anyway, but um, you know, take some some uh, flowers and pour some libation. Take some coffee. Take some gin. Take some whiskey. Take some tea. You know, some some cookies, whatever, um, and then some coins. You know, give them that, and ask, can you have it? And you will understand if you've gotten permission. There will be a sign. If they have given you permission to take some of that dirt, they will also tell you what you can use it for. Right. All right. Because there's this misconception that graveyard dirt only means one kind of work. Right. One kind of work only. And that's bad work. So, you know, mm-hmm. you want to get somebody. Right? <laughs> that's how a lot of people think. And that's yeah. just a lie. It's a lie. All right? That dirt is imbued with the essence of the memory of your ancestor. Okay? That's a connection. Mm-hmm. And we use it. I personally keep it. I do put it as an ingredient in certain things that I do because I'm led by them to do so, you know? Um, One way to use ancestor dirt, well, what I call ancestor dirt, is you take some dirt from the resting places of your ancestors. It doesn't necessarily even have to be their final resting place. You could go to their childhood home, you know? Mm -hmm. Even if it's not standing, that dirt is still there with their essence, okay? You can get that dirt. You follow me? You Mm -hmm. You can go around. So it's like, you're not limited. You take that dirt. And you put it in a powerful protection recipe. What else you want to put in that dirt? It's on you. Right. Okay. It's on you. You, you want to put some, some bay leaf in there? Fine. You want to grind up some sage? Fine. That's fine too. You want to put, you know, some wandering drew, dried up wandering drew leaf? That's fine. You know, protective plant. Whatever you feel moved to, grind that up and put it in there. You want to write a prayer of protection? Okay. Write it down. Burn it up, gather the ashes, and put it in there. You see, whatever you feel 
you put it in there with that dirt and then you go around the perimeter of your home, okay? Go around the perimeter of your home. Start in the eastern side and, you know, and go all the way around and drop that dirt. And now you're making a nice protective barrier around your home, okay? Imbued with the spirits and the forces of your ancestors. Wow. So that's one way that we can physically do it. Okay. Y'all better write, I hope y'all are writing this stuff down. Mama Rue is dropping some gems <laughs> on us <laughs> on how to protect ourselves, giving us some ingredients here. Uh, and, and these are, yeah, that's why I'm saying you're not going to see me giving you a whole list of ingredients. Right. You know, like you need this part of, you know, ground up dry root. And you need that particular herb and you need that particular bone and you need that particular claw or tooth. You know what I'm saying? You go with whatever. You know, for example, uh, guard dog, right? You got a beloved guard dog. The dog died. Um, you managed to keep his claw or tooth or something of that creature. You, you put that in there. Yeah, you're going to burn that up, take the ashes and put it in that protective, you know, mixture that you're making. You know, right. some, some ancestors will tell you don't mix nothing. Mm-hmm. Just use my dirt. Mm-hmm. Mix it up with some soil from your own house and just go around the perimeter. You know, some people might go, like, no, I want some of that uh, powdered white eggshell. Put that in there. Another ancestor be like, no, I want some of that powdered clay. Put that in there. Mm-hmm. Somebody else be like, no, give me some of that red dirt from home. Put that in there. You know what I'm yes. saying? So, yeah, we got to listen to ourselves instead of having to rely on other people. Yes, yes, yes. You know, you're you're people. Diluting your own thing. Right, you know? right. Right, because my mm-hmm. how my people did it might not be how someone else's people did it. Because regionally, people were root working differently, and so and exactly. that's fine. Hmm. Right, right. Because I'm in Chicago, and if I'm talking to um, people, you know, your age or younger, and I say red dirt to them, and they've never been down south, right? They're gonna be like, "What? What do you mean? Get some dirt and put some red coloring?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, you know, be careful. That's a lot of stuff gets lost in translation. Yes. A lot is. of stuff gets lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whew. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Honestly, like that was invaluable. Um, so I guess to sort of wrap up the interview, I'm I'm thinking about, you know, I have a lot of people who are just sort of getting into this journey, maybe slowly leaving their, you know, Christianity or just realizing that there's, they feel like they're being called because they are into something else, um, but are often afraid of all of the, you know, the demonizations that we've heard from sometimes our own family, Hollywood, the media, et cetera, around engaging in an ATR. So what is your advice as someone who's been doing this for a long time? You know, what is your advice to the young folks and people who are wanting to experience it, but feel a little scared or hesitant, but know that they're being called? Um, if you know you're being called, number one, trust that you, you know, trust that. Don't be afraid of it. And I, again, put your ancestors in it. Your ancestors will lead you to the right place, okay? You have to trust that and be patient. People are impatient nowadays. They want to rush into things that might not be spiritually aligned with them, you see. And a year later, people will say, yeah, I had to leave that such and such because it is. You know what I'm saying? But did you trust your ancestors before you did it? Mm-hmm. Trust them. They will lead you to where you need to be. A lot of folks' first instinct is to motherfuck Christianity, 
right? As soon as they walk out, the first thing you want to do is motherfucker. Please don't do that. Because when you do that, you are being offensive to your ancestors that utilized this to get by. Yes. Yes, the black church was a huge, huge, huge reason a lot of our folks are alive, you know, alive enough to procreate. Let's put it like that, okay? Regardless of why and how it was bestowed upon them and why they kept it going, it was still a place that offered safety where they couldn't otherwise have it, communication, community support, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the matchmake, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, People, you know, heal one another through the church and so on. So please, let's not do that because a large part of our ancestors were in fact practitioners of this belief, or they were just church goers. There's a difference now. There's a difference between just being a church goer and being an actual Christian. Okay. There is a difference. So we can't just say, oh, you know, forget that stuff. It's backwards. It's, you know, it's, it's this, it's that. You don't have to agree with it. Okay. Um, but we're not going to, you know, disrespect our ancestors like that. All right. Um, there's personally, you know, no reason to do that. Okay. It's just not good. It's, you know, it's just not right to bash that way. Um, <clears throat> but as far as moving forward, um, that's, uh, you know, yeah, the seeking part of it, you have to be very, very careful. Okay. Very, very careful. Um, especially if one is looking into an ATR or diaspora tradition, because um, first of all, it's more accessible, right? There's more information out there about, for example, the Yoruba tradition as it's practiced in the diaspora and as it's practiced fundamentally, you know, or Ushete versus Lukumi, I guess is how you would say it. Mm-hmm. And it can be very confusing, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're, they're similar and they're different, right? And they're different for a lot of reasons. One has, you know, the interfacing with Catholicism and the other one doesn't. So it's just, you know, a lot of differences there. And you will see a lot of people arguing back and forth. You know, you're right, you're wrong, blah, 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 blah. Don't get caught up in that mess, okay? There are other traditions out there. And just let your spirits guide you to the right one. As far as having a good teacher, you know, a good elder to to learn from, let your ancestors put that teacher on your path, okay? That That's always been the best way. And from people that I talk to, that seems to be work out well for them as well. Start with the ancestors and you can't go wrong, okay? You might come from a bloodline of priests, right? Priests, you know, I'm talking they were priests back on the, on the motherland. And it might be your destiny to become a priest, right. okay? Well, if that's true, you need to have the divination, you know, to, to back that up or to confirm that. Have that divination done. See a priest. Well, how do you find a priest? That's where the internet is a positive thing, Okay. Then you can get a personal referral. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I like to personally refer people that I can vouch for and just go from there. You know, find people who can recommend good people and, and go from there. And then they will do those readings for you to determine where, you know, if this is where you need to be or not. Okay. You just don't join. From what I understand, this isn't something that you just say, oh, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and become a Arisha priest. No. <laughs> That's not how it works, okay? You're called to this. Yes. The Arishas have their own mouthpieces, right? They have their own way of communi- communicating with human beings. And that's how you know. You don't let nobody else tell you. 
we or do have to say. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as this tradition uh, root work and is concerned, uh, I want to give special recognition to Dr. Uh, Katrina Hazard for uh, her book, uh, Mojo Working. Yes. And she had a group on Facebook. I'm no longer part of that group. But one of the things that she wanted is what we're talking about right now. And that is to put the spiritual part back in the root working part. Okay. Because hoodoo has been sort of watered down into just being a bag of tricks, right? It's just been watered down to being, oh, it's just a, a spell work. It's, exactly. it's, it's black folk magic. It's, it's this and that. You know, it's a magical system. It doesn't need an initiation. It doesn't have a hierarchy. There's no levels to it. You can just do whatever you want to do, right? So everybody's, you know, a root worker. Everybody's a hoodooist. Everybody's this and that. And that's not true. And Dr. Katrina Hazard was like, you know, I'm tasking all of you younger people to put this back, restore it back to where it needs to go. But she wants it to be restored back to its former glory. And when she says the former glory, she's talking about those first one or two generations of Africans that brought all of this here with them, you see? Yes. And if you read that book, and I'm not going to um, read it, I don't have it in front of me, but she gave a list of things that have to be put in place to restore our spiritual practices back to their former glory. Okay? And those of you who are familiar with probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, that's what we're doing. That's what all of us are doing. Okay? That's what your podcast is doing. That's what other people, you know, uh, communicating with other people are doing. Um, everybody's doing it. Everybody's got a role to play in this as far as reclaiming our tradition. Yes. Okay? Now, is there a lot of nonsense and, and bullshit happening? Oh, sure. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, there are people who are just waking up and say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm a I'm a hoodoo worker. I'm a root worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got that. And I, I get it, you know. that That's fine. But um, we just can't be raggedy with it. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. right. If you're doing the love work on somebody and you're using a penis candle, um, don't, don't post a picture of that on Instagram. <laughs> okay? Don't do that. All right? Because people do take offense to the idea that they might be getting worked on. And there have been cases you know, in different cities where people have lost their lives mm -hmm. because they thought somebody was doing juju on them. Yes. So that shit isn't cute. You know, that, that's just not cute at all. You know, yes. don't talk about your work. All right. Let the manifestation of your work be the evidence and the proof of the, of your work. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so I, I'm just excited, man. I, I'm just so, so excited. I feel like the prayers that I have made to the ancestors over the years, are coming into manifestation, you know, um, that that's what I said before. I, I prayed to the ancestors that they would just gather up their children and remind them of who they are because if we know who we are and who we belong to, we're less likely to think low of ourselves. We're less likely to think low of our, our members of our community. We won't walk past each other looking at like we each other's enemies and mm. executioners. You know what I'm saying? We'll look at our brothers and sisters with the love and respect that they will look at us with. Uh, we will never walk past an elder without saying hello. You know, um, we will just become a different people. Okay. Instead of being a version of a people that our oppressors need us to be. Ooh. You hear what I said? Need us need. to be. Need us to be. Instead of being that version, we're going to create the version of our true selves on our own. 
And I see that happening. And I'm, I'm just overjoyed. Wow. Okay. And again, it all dials back to the ancestors. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It always it starts with them and it ends with them. Yes. Yeah. We have to recognize that how we treat one another is not the way our ancestors treated each other. Okay. Uh, all this bitching, bickering, fighting, and backbiting, all this crap that we do to each other on the constant. That's just not our way. You know, uh, someone once asked me, can you blame white supremacy on everything that's wrong with the black community? I said, hell yes. <laughs> I <laughs> Yes, I can. Okay, because if we look at the root of why we are, mm-hmm. you know, why things are the way they are and all like that, if we dig deep enough, we can see the root element of all of these things is being perpetuated. Okay, yeah. how we interact with our kids is left over the holdover from slavery, beating our kids and treating them like, you know, they're our enemy. That's mm. a holdover from slavery. Mm. Okay. Treating men and women with disrespect, that's a holdover from, you know, white supremacy and oppression in the 20th century. So it's like, if we look at these things, we have the power to say, you know what, I ain't going to be thinking like that no more. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be looking at my people like that. Right. right. And, it, and it's happening. It okay. Is. 30 years ago, you never would have seen a black woman on anybody's television with natural hair. You wouldn't, you know. You just wouldn't see that. And now that's all you see. It's almost getting to the point where it's kind of weird <laughs> to mm-hmm. see somebody with a relaxer. <laughs> right, right, right. I can't even remember the last time I saw someone with a relaxer. It's just weird to me now, you know? Um, so that's like, you know, evidence that we're kind of getting comfortable in our own skin. And with that, we are getting comfortable with our spirituality, our true spiritual person. It's not outside of us. That's a Western Eurocentric way of looking at things, things outside of yourself, right? It's not a part of you. You understand? Mm-hmm. But that, that's not our view. It is a part of us. We put it in everything we do. We don't have to separate it out and say, well, this is a hoodoo trick. You know? Right. Oh, why aren't you, you know, why'd you just throw that salt over your shoulder? Oh, well, you're doing that hoodoo. No, it's just something you do, right? Right. It's just it's just something you do. Right. It's existing and, and being black. <laughs> yeah. Why why do you burn your hair after you cut it? You know, a lot of people can't explain that. It's just something that we do. You know, it doesn't need an explanation. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. It's just part of our culture, and it needs to be protected at all times. Yes, it, at all times. So, <sighs> there's no need for. You know, you got to have this in order to be a work. You got to have that. You got to have this. Well, it's, that's not everybody's walk in the first place. You know, um, every, people are kind of confusing like regular everyday juju with being like, oh, I'm a Buddha priest. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm the grand of this here root work shit. No, no, no. Okay. If you do a little something, something, that doesn't make you a priest. That just makes you black. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. That's what you do. Right. It, it's the Eurocentric view that is something else. Mm-hmm. That's their shit. You know, um, when we, we, you know, eat certain foods on certain days, when we do certain things, you know, it, it's just ridiculous to sit there and say, oh, you're doing voodoo or you're doing voodoo. No, no, no. <laughs> well, black, this, this is a part of our culture. We pour the libations for the dead. Are we doing hoodoo, voodoo, whatever? No, that's just what we do. Is it spiritual? Yes. 
you know, but it's part of us. Right. Right. Because, again, it's not separate from us. Existing as a Black person is is doing, quote, unquote, hoodoo. Because it's not separate. It's part of our culture. It's part of what we just are attracted to and just embrace. So, absolutely. Right. Hmm. right. So, um, I, I love that more people are getting into it. Um, I love that more people are embracing it. I love that, um, you know, we are having this, this Black renaissance here, you know, on so many different levels. And... That's why my focus with the personal work that I do, um, my focus is on liberation. My focus is on fighting the forces of evil, um, you know, white supremacy, all that stuff. Okay. Um, pushing back on that. And on the flip side, protecting our people. Okay. We've got so many things happening with our children, with our women, with the trans women. I mean, it's just so many things from every direction. And it's like, we're so focused on ourselves, let's think of our greater community. And and that's not for everybody. I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but if you feel like, you know, this shit is on your radar and it makes you feel some kind of way, um, do the weekly rituals against violence. That's Mm. something that I started uh, last Saturday because uh, I don't want people to feel like they have to be initiated into something or they have to be a practitioner of this tradition. They have to have been doing it for a long time and this, that, and the third, or you don't even have to be in an ATR. You know what I'm saying? You can have any religious belief or an atheist. If you, if you don't believe in anything, just focus your attention at the same time, once a week, Saturday, I had the time down as 8 PM central, 9 PM Eastern, but you can adjust it for whatever time zone you're in. But if we all collectively just, at the same time, put our energy towards our liberation. Mm. Just think what we could do as a people. Ooh. We've got 10 seconds, you know, you're, you're over here somewhere and it's almost 8 o'clock central and you're at dinner. You step outside by yourself. Go sit in the car for 10, 20, 30 seconds and say that prayer against the spirit of violence to bind it, to destroy it, to crush it. Because that spirit, that force of violence is behind so much, okay? So much that's wrong with us as a people and the society we live in and the institutionalized racism and so on and so forth. Hmm, that's okay? the work right there. And the bigotry, and the bigotry hmm. you know, it's behind a lot of these political decisions. And, and it's just it just reaches so many parts of our psyche, right? Right. A lot of people are going vegan because they are not down with the cruelty to animals. Now, if, if we knew how to slaughter animals properly it probably wouldn't be a bad thing but sure. this country doesn't know how to do that right they just don't know they're barbaric in their practices okay so this extends to violence against animals if you uh, feel like you don't like what's happening with the world you know this planet in particular you know pollution global warming climate change all these things violence against the planet is something that you can put your energy behind so i made it very inclusive because the force of violence is the same, same. in all of these different aspects. Okay? Yes. So yes. that's why we're not going to focus on the targets of violence. We're not going to focus on, okay, well, the children over here or, you know, the trans women over there or, you know, black teenagers over here or black men over there. You know what I mean? Right. Or, you know, the people in Gaza over there. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to focus on a target. We got different rituals we can do for them, okay? And I'll be posting those as the weeks come on. 
but this force of violence needs to be dealt with. Okay. Yes. Because it's behind all of it. You know, think of all the blood sacrifices that have been made on this land ever since the first invader came here. When you think about blood sacrifice, everybody wants to acknowledge the power behind sacrificing the chicken. But honey, let me tell you something. That human sacrifice means the all. Yes. So you think of all the red bodies, all the brown bodies, Mm -hmm. all the black bodies whose blood has been shed to feed this land. So that white supremacy can have the power that it has right now. Mm. Okay. That's a big, big, yep. big beast. Yep. That's got to be put down. A little old mama on the south side of Chicago cannot do it by herself. We need everyone. So I made worldwide action against violence so that more people can jump on board and lend their ashe, lend their prayers Lend their, you know, whatever energy they work with, they got working with, they are drawn to their mind with whatever the case may be. Okay. If you are in an ATR, you, you can do a sacrifice. You can do a ritual. If you are in a witchcraft tradition, you can do a ceremony. You know, if you're a Christian, you can make a prayer. Mm-hmm. If you're Muslim, if you're Hebrew Israelite, if you're a Moor, you know, whatever you are, it doesn't matter because we all have the same thing going on here that we don't like. Right. And we're going to get to the root cause of it. And the root cause is the force behind that violence. Yes. That violence that allows everything else to be that shit that's going on at the Southern border, those babies being, you know, snatched from their mothers, you know, that's a violent act against a family unit. Right. You see, right. That force of violence, it's just evident everywhere. So if we can take this shit, bind it and then destroy it. We can be testimony to the fact that our answers were some bad motherfuckers. Yes. Mother think we can do it. We we absolutely right. can. We absolutely right. can. This has nothing to do with the people who, you know, are more hands-on approach, boots on the ground. Shout out to all the brothers and sisters that are out there, boots on the ground, risking their lives for their community. Okay. Particularly New Era Chicago. Peace and love to all my brothers and sisters there. Uh, it's a local organization, but we have organizations all over the country that are, you know, boots on the ground fighting for their communities, protecting their communities, you know, putting a squash on that gang shit, you know, that bullshit that's happening in the black community. I mean, it's, it's just happening. And we need to put our spiritual forces behind those active forces. OK, I remember seeing an article uh, from um, a Buddha priest down in New Orleans, uh, Elder Glover. Um, he was down with the Black Panthers in the 70s, okay? So, because I used to wonder about that. You know, like, if they were doing all this stuff, but was anybody doing any spiritual work? I'm asking and that then, all the time. <laughs> and then, boom, I find this article, you know, where Brother Glover was down there rocking with the Black Panthers, you know? Right. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah, it's always been there. You know, it's just been downplayed and diminished. So, there's a, a letter that I read, um, that this white army person, I forgot what he was, commander, lieutenant, I can't remember, but this was during the 1800s. Uh, they were dealing with a militia of Maroons and um, runaway slaves and Native Americans who had banded together on the seaboard. And they were going around uh, setting fire and destroying white settlements, right? And so there was an army group, a troop that was sent in to deal with them. And in this letter, he said that even though his troop 
outnumbered and outmanned this band of Negroes and Indians. For some reason, as soon as they came upon them, they felt immediately a sense of fear and dread and they fled without a shot being fired. Wow. And that really spoke to me. Okay. That really spoke to me because we're talking about some Africans and some Native Americans who banded together. Yep. Okay. Didn't have all them damn guns and cannons and shit. They didn't have none of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But as soon as the white man came upon them, they immediately felt a sense of dread and ran. Wow. That's some powerful shit. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, man, I want to cultivate that. Yeah. I want to harness that energy. And like I said, I, I, I'm just one person. I can't do this by myself. But if we did it collectively, you know, just think how we could change the world if yes, we wanted to. We absolutely could. And I'm grateful that you created that space for us to be or, or making that call to action uh, for us to to engage in. And so I want to mm-hmm. also allow you to just plug all your things. Like, how do we keep up with you? How do we book a reading? Like, can you just plug all your things so we can stay in contact? And oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm not real social on my Instagram and Twitter. I tend to be hanging out more on Facebook. I tend to rotate through them, but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Mamaru HH um, or at Mamaru HH on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I am on Facebook. I have a page, um, Mamaru's Head and Hand, Tarot Readings by Mamaru, I think is what it is on Facebook. I am on Facebook with my government name. If you want to follow me, that's fine. It's Mina Wilson, um, M-I-N-A Wilson. You can follow me there. I'm not really taking a whole lot of firm requests right now, (laughs) but you can follow me. I have my thing set up to follow. Um, I plan to be moving off of Facebook and getting back on Twitter. Twitter, I think, is my favorite social media, and I've been neglecting it. Okay. Um, but I want to get more active on Instagram as well. And if anybody needs to email me, they can do it through my website, mamaru.com. If you go on there, you can hit the contact button and send me a message that way. Okay, great. Mamaru.com. And that's where we can also book readings, right? From your website? Yes, that's where um, you can book readings with me and also my daughter, uh, Sister Koya. I call her Junior Juju. She's Sister Koya on there. She also does read and she reads from me from time to time. She's very, very good. Um, she's been, you know, working at this for a few years now. Oh, love it. Now she's making herself available uh, and she's doing quite well. And uh, I think she's doing better than me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's you know? amazing. All, all in the family. That's beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate everybody that's been um, getting with her on the reading. So, um, so yeah, so that's what we do readings. And um, and I'm trying to get my mother on there uh, to do her readings as well. Um, You know, so we're still tying up some things. And then I have another family member that's going to be joining uh, the website as a reader. Yes, family readings, generational readings. That's amazing. Yeah, got the whole family on. I love so, it. Yeah, I'll be dropping that news on all my social media as soon as I get it, you know, tied down and everything. I'll be letting everybody know okay. when um, the two are available on the website. Okay, great. Thank yeah, you. I, so I just love, I just love this, uh, this platform you have. I love this podcast so, so much. Um, so, what made you decide to do this? Is what made you decide? <laughs> um, I, 
honestly, I tell people, and I'm not joking, my ancestors were like, you need to start talking about this. So I don't know what it is you need to do, but you need to figure it out that you need to be talking about this in a public space and have people engage. So it was this, it was a call that I had to answer. Yes. And I think that more and more and more individuals are are getting it. Um, When Nipsey Hussle died and his mother or those libations at his memorial and spoke about the ancestors and, and, and did that prayer. How many people were in attendance in that? In that I don't uh, know, but it was a lot. <laughs> how many people watched it? And it was published, it? exactly. So you see the reach, that's just that. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's what I was praying for. I'm like, look at this. Look at my ancestors, man. So it's like, yeah. We stay in gratitude around here because they are showing me. Yes. I'll tell you, I I almost gave up. I mean, I had days where I just felt like, ain't shit gonna change. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. You know, I feel like I'm I'm just, you know, going through all this for nothing. And man, you know, I I really just felt like I'm doing this for nothing. But now I'm seeing that it was wrong for me to think that. you know, they show you the ancestors have a way of always showing you the manifestation. Yeah, they're calling. They boom, they put it right there in your view. Yeah, you can. See. Mm-hmm. So wow. she mentioned that she has a church that teaches her this. Okay, she has an African spiritual church, and um, it's called KRST, and they are on Facebook, and I do follow them. Okay, I don't know. If a whole lot, but yeah, they're definitely worth following. I support any organization that you know does this kind of thing because this is this is what we need. You know, we're seeing more and more people um, turning to you know uh, Orisha tradition, you know, and um, Ifa, and I, that's another one of my prayers. You know, like I said, I put a lot of prayer in that because on social media, what I noticed was. Um, the majority of the people who were getting involved in these traditions were like middle class, upper middle class, well-educated, you know what I'm saying? And they tend to flock around like-minded individuals. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I live in a hood, sis. <laughs> and it's like, right. <laughs> like, who needs the Orisha more than these folks? Right. Who needs to know? Who needs this more? You know, these folks are suffering out here. Yes. You know, people are having it hard and it's just like they are the ones that need this. Okay? Right. right. More than anybody. So then I started seeing evidence of that. You know, like I see all y'all going to Haiti, getting initiated into voodoo. I see you going to Brazil, getting initiated in Hanoble. I see you going to Cuba, you know, getting into Lokumi. And I see you going to Nigeria, you know, getting into Isisha. But where are y'all when y'all come home? Mm. How come I don't see you in my neighborhood? You know? Well. Where you at? Wow. Wow. Where, where are you? Wow. Because these people, so now that, you know, regular folks is getting into these traditions, a lot of people are like, oh, who gave them a lickage? Mm-hmm. You've seen you see that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who gave them yeah. 
Why are these gangbangers wearing me naked? Oh my god! Right, the elitism, the respectability politics that really have no no space, you know, in in these traditions. Yeah, you know, they need to understand that before our young brothers got with them in leggings and shit, um, there were drug dealers and and gang uh, and drug cartels and uh, you know assassins and crooked cops and crooked politicians that was getting down with voodoo and follow my own band in particular. Well, they've been doing this shit for years, and and nobody has shit to say about that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Nobody cares about that. But when black people do something, it's all it's a problem, right? Always. You know, all of a sudden it's an issue. Exactly. Get mad at Beyonce because of that lemonade Oshun thing, and now you know you got all these sisters talking about you know Oshun, and they get mad. No, that's not how it works. But I'm not going to bash my sister because she feels some alignment to an Orisha. I'm not going to do that. I will tell you, um, it's only natural to feel a connection to certain Orisha, but don't be making no shrine in Orisha without the guidance of a priest. Right. Exactly. Okay. I have no issue with people honoring their Orisha in their natural manifestations because they all have natural manifestations. Well, y'all been acting up over here in Shango. You know, they just doing their dance the other day. Right. Sure were. They well, you want to honor all y'all in Shango? Take your ass outside. Right. Right. Stand under that rainwater. Mm-hmm. Listen to that thunder and let the wind blow you down the street. And that's how we're going to honor Shango and all y'all. Yes. By honoring the nature and the mm-hmm. land. That our people right. have been on. Yes. Right. And nobody can tell you you have to be initiated to do that. You do not need to be initiated to do that. Okay. Yes. So, wow, my mom. Hmm? I was just saying, wow, I just, you dropped so much <laughs> on us today. Yeah. And have always been here. We've always had our own uh, version of Orisha, I should say. Yes. Okay. We have our own Hulu saints, our own Hulu spirit. Yeah. We have an issue here. We saw an issue in John the Conqueror. Okay, also manifested as Burr Rabbit. Okay, also manifested as Old Scratch. Okay, or the Black Man of the Crossroads, however you want to see it. We have our tricksters here. You know, we have our goon here and John Henry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Thank you. Ain't Dicey. Ain't Dicey. Ain't Dicey wasn't really a real woman. She was an amalgam of a whole bunch of different kinds of Black women. Mm-hmm. But if Read about Aunt Dicey, you will see that she is like a manifestation of our Oya. Okay. Mm. So we have pers- well, archetypes are here. Right. Okay. They, you have to know how to see them, how to look at them. Exactly. Uh, but if you want to be true to a tradition, you have to go the way of that tradition. Right. You see. Yes. And there's a lot of pushback. I'm seeing like a not a lot of non-black American people are not happy with that. And all I have to say is tough shit. <laughs> you know, there's a beautiful uh, sister who is an Ia. She's initiated as a, a priest of Ifa. She's an Ianifa. And she did an ancestral ceremony and played gospel music and did a dance to accommodate it. And folk got so upset. Oh, this isn't traditional. Uh, 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 she's not singing in Yoruba. What does gospel music have oh, to do with it? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, and I'm just like, oh my God, are you freaking kidding me? So you mean to tell me that if a Black American person gets initiated into a West African tradition, they have to then ignore 
three or four generations of ancestors and go straight back to the damn continent to be legitimate? Are we really doing that? Is that what we're doing? Right, right. Makes no sense to me. I can't be a part of anything that would do that. You know what I'm saying? No, sure. Mm-mm. sure. You're not, not about to disrespect my American ancestors' legacy like that. Exactly. I'm sorry. Oh, Mama Rue, I thank you so much. I have a class that started at 630, but I just couldn't stop the interview because <laughs> you just kept saying amazing things. I'm so grateful for you. And I you, I feel like the ancestors were speaking through you through this entire interview because I just felt so full. I feel so full now. So just another thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So at the end of the interview, Mama Rue's uh, mic cut out and I didn't hear until I was editing. So that's why I sort of ended (laughs) maybe mildly abruptly, but I think y'all got the point. I think y'all got the point. I hope you all enjoyed that. That's the interview you have to listen to a couple times to really get, you know, in depth of all of the, the, the things that she named, all of the homework that we now have to look up Stono Rebellion, um, looking up um, the Buzzards, looking up all of these different things that she named and why we use Black Eyed Peas. It was just really, really amazing and really grounding. So I'm just so happy that she shared all of that with us. So I hope you all enjoyed the interview. Um, if you would like to reach out to me, you can always find me on Instagram at it's jujubay at T-S-J-J-U-B-A-E. I'm also it's jujubay on Twitter. Um, Facebook, uh, my Facebook is jujubay. If you'd like to book a reading with me, you can hit me up on my website. It's jujubay.com. And uh, I guess I should make an announcement in July. My readings are going to go up in price. So if you would like to, you know, get the reading in now (laughs) while it is still at the current price, you should hit me up on my website to go ahead and book. And I think that's it. If you want to sponsor the podcast, of course, reach out to me via my website or send me an email, thejujubay.com. I'm like, what is it? The Jujubay at gmail.com and all kinds of media inquiries and things and sponsorships and all that. You can just send me an email. All right, y'all. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, yeah. I have a new Instagram for the podcast specifically because I want to kind of make my It's Jujubay page just a general information. And then I want to just have a podcast page. So to stay updated on like podcasts when they come out and stuff, follow me on um, at a little juju podcast. That's on my Instagram. Okay. Love you. all appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening again. And yeah, remember, all you need is a little juju. See you in a couple weeks. Bye.